What does it mean to be part of the body of Christ, to be part of a church? And in our study in scripture to find the answer to that question, we were forced to ask another question. And that question, well, what, what does the Lord really expect of me? I mean, having received Christ myself, using myself as an example, having received him as my personal Lord and Savior, committed my life to be a follower of Christ, what then does Christ expect of me? What does my eternal God and Father in heaven really expect of me? Another way to ask that question is simply this. What, what does it look like? to be a follower of Christ. Or maybe I can word it this way, ask the question this way, what does the world need to see in me to give evidence to the fact that I am a true follower of Christ? Well, in seeking in scripture to find the answer to that question, we begin looking at what we see in scripture as the things the Lord says, this is what I expect. And Two weeks ago, we looked at the first one. I want to take a moment to just review that just for a moment because the simplicity but the significance of it is so incredibly important for each and every one of us. Particularly if you are interested in being a follower of Christ or you are a follower of Christ, then you say, well, what is it that the Lord really is expecting of me? Well, the first thing he's looking for is what we call an obedient spirit. Just simply an obedient spirit. Here's what that looks like. If you want to know what that looks like, it's simply this. Doing exactly what the Lord tells us to do, when he tells us to do it, and with the right heart attitude in our life. For example, you might be reading God's word one day, or maybe you went to a Bible study, maybe even today you'll hear something, and it's something you haven't heard before or Uh, just a new truth that you begin to realize and it come right from God's word. And so here's a new truth and what does God want you to do with this new truth? Well, he wants you to take it and do exactly what he says. It's simple, but it's quite significant. When does he want me to do it? Tomorrow? Uh, One day? Eventually? No, he wants me to do it now. If I receive that truth and I understand it, And I said, wow, here is what God, it may be a principle of life, it may be a prerequisite. You know, sometimes in scripture, the Lord gives us prerequisites. He says, if you will do this, then I promise I will do that. And so it may be a prerequisite for him to fulfill a promise in your life. It may just be a precept, just a simple word of instruction. Do this or don't do that. But he just says, look, here's what I want. Here's one of the evidences that you're a true follower. You have an obedient spirit. You do exactly what I tell you to do. You do it when I tell you to do it. That means now, not tomorrow, not one day. And do it with the right heart attitude. And what is that? I have a heart that's filled with love and gratitude. Because the incredible, amazing grace we were singing about, the incredible work that God has done just to give us the opportunity to have a relationship with him and have the gift of eternal life, all the things that come with being part of the family of God and just out of love. The scripture tells us to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and then out of an attitude of gratitude. We say, yes, Lord. He says, if you'll do that, I promise two things. Listen to this very carefully, then I'm gonna move on. I promise you if you'll have an obedient spirit, 
He says, your fellowship with me is going to be experientially real. In other words, I don't have to talk about what God's doing in somebody else's life. I can tell you what he's doing in my life. I get to testify of what he's doing in my life. And so he says, I promise you, your fellowship with me will be experientially real. And then he says this, my favor on your life, this is my second promise, is going to be experientially real. So I don't have to talk about how awesome God was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in that burning furnace. I'm talking about what God has done his favor upon my own life. And I can tell you how good God really is. He said, all I'm asking for is an obedient spirit. But the scripture goes on and reveals something else. And that's what we want to get to right now. Not only an obedient spirit, Lord says, I want a fruitful spirit in your life. I want to see a fruitful spirit. And that's what he talks about in John chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, would you just turn there with me for a moment? John chapter 15, and we're just gonna look at the first couple of verses here so I can kind of give you an idea of what we're talking about, about having a fruitful spirit in our lives. Uh, Jesus addresses this, and first of all, gives a word picture. You know what a word picture is? Word pictures when when someone uses words and, and they just create a vivid picture in your mind, something you can see in your mind. And the word picture that Jesus gives here is of a vineyard. So I want you to kind of imagine that in your mind right now, of this huge vineyard, this great vineyard that is out there. And here's what Jesus says about this vineyard. He says, I'm the vine. I'm the source of all the life that is in this vineyard. And my father, which is our eternal God and father, he's the vine dresser. What does that mean? He's the one taking care of this incredible vineyard. You know what his number one responsibility is? To check the branches to see if there's any fruit on the branches. Well, who are the branches? Well, we're the branches. Those of us who profess to be followers of Christ, we're the branches, branches in this incredible vineyard. And so our Heavenly Father is constantly looking at Brandon's branch right here. Check to see if there's any fruit on this branch. That would be us. That would be Brandon, or AKA B, as we call it. Now, he follows this word picture of a vineyard, he's the vine, our heavenly father is the vine dresser and we're the branches he's taking care of with what we call word principles. In other words, he says, I'm gonna tell you how the father does this. How does the father take care of Brandon's branch? How does the father take care of your branch, of Kim's branch? And I could go call all of us who profess to be followers of Christ. What is the heavenly father doing? Well, first thing he's doing is what I call the principle of discipline. We don't like that word. But it's a good word because it's an important word because he wants us to bear fruit. What kind of fruit? It's the fruit of righteousness in our lives. Like righteous attitudes. Like righteous actions. The scripture also calls this good works. He says, we have been saved by the grace of God, created in Christ Jesus for good works. That is, 
doing righteous things, doing what is righteous before God, doing what is righteous towards our fellow person in life. And God says, I just want to see this fruit in your life. And so he begins with what we call the principle of discipline. Let me just touch base with that for just a moment. John chapter 15 and in verse two, it says, every branch, where the branches, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He said, well, that doesn't sound too exciting. Let me tell you what's really exciting about our heavenly father. Are you listening? Say amen. The difference between him and most of us is that our God, our heavenly father, never, ever has a knee-jerk reaction towards us. Now, we can't always say that, can we? Even as parents, and sometimes as grandparents. We cannot say that we never have a knee-jerk reaction to our children or to our grandchildren or, or in a situation, but Here's the wonderful thing about the love of God and the love of our Heavenly Father. He never, ever has a knee-jerk reaction. So he, thank you, Brandon, for letting me use you today. So he's looking at Brandon's branch here and he says, I just don't see any fruit here. Brandon's not bearing any fruit here. He doesn't just say, okay, that's it. Cut him off, throw him away. No. You see, the same word it means to take away means to lift up. Here's what a vine dresser will do. A vine dresser will find a vine that's not bearing fruit. Most of them are the vine, uh, the branches rather, that are growing close to the ground. Well, why can they, they not bear fruit? Well, they're dusty. They got mud all over them from the rain, they got mildew, they don't get enough light because everything's hiding light, they don't get enough air. And so they're kind of sickly branches that cannot bear fruit. So what does a vine dresser do? Cut it off, throw it away? No, 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 no. He wants that branch to bear fruit. So that vine dresser will, will, will take that vine, it will pick it up, clean it up, get all the dust, get all the mold, get all the mildew, get all the mud off of it, and then take his knife and begin to cut away those parts that are sickly on that branch. It could be leaves that are turning. It could be sprouts that are mildewed and, and just drawing life out of the branch so the branch can't bear fruit. And so he starts that process of pruning this is just the beginning part. This is called discipline. You see, the scripture tells us that the Father wants us to bear fruit. And so when he doesn't see fruit, he doesn't just cut us off and throw us away, but he tries by his grace to pick us up, clean us up, cut away. In other words, try to bring conviction to our heart about these things that are in our life because we're living down here near the ground and we can't get the light, we can't get the air, we got the mud, we got all the other stuff that's hindering us. And then he ties us up. So we get the air, we get the light, and now we have a chance to bear fruits. That's our Heavenly Father. Sometimes we've got a knee-jerk reaction. 
and we're responding. Not by grace, not by love, but our Father does. Discipline leads to conviction. Conviction leads to confession. Confession leads to a changed life. But let me show you a second thing, and this, please listen carefully. We look a little bit further here. And Jesus talks about not only the principle of discipline, but he talks about the principle of discipleship. Discipleship. Listen to this carefully. He says, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Now get the picture in your mind, it's the vineyard. He's inspecting branches. He comes and discovers he's coming back to Brandon after he's done gone through some discipline with him. By the way, this is my son, so he will forgive me for this, okay? And he's, he's done some discipline. He's cleaned him up. He's cut out what needs to be cut out. He's gone through conviction. He's gone through confession. Now there's a change. And now Brandon's beginning to bear some fruit. This is awesome. God says, boy, that's just the beginning. I want to see a whole bunch of fruit in your life, Brandon. And so he starts what we call the serious pruning process. Now listen carefully. When we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we bring a lot of, can I say this word, stuff into our relationship with Christ that God's got to deal with, all right? Let me tell you what two of those are. First of all, it's what I call untruthful presuppositions. What? Untruthful presuppositions. What, what, what do you mean by that? Well, what is a supposition? Well, a supposition is something that, that I suppose is true. And so I let that, what I suppose to be true, be a guide in my life. Every one of us have multitudes of suppositions that impact our lives. And we bring all of those suppositions into our relationship with God when we accept Christ as Lord and Savior. Here's the problem with suppositions. 99% of them are true. So well, where do they come from? What you see, what you hear, what you experience in life as you're growing up and you enter into life. And, and then what we take is what we call small facts, but only partial facts of the things we experience in life. And we decide, well, this is true of God. This is true of people. This is true of marriage. This is true of this and this is true of that. And all we've had is just a little bit of experience here, a little fact here, a little fact there. Only God knows it all, amen? But see, we take what we call just scratching the surface on things and we decide we're smart enough to take that little bit of knowledge and decide this must be true. And 99% of it is not true. But it's the filter in your mind that every part of your life goes through. Every conversation you have, everything, the thing that brings about the knee-jerk reaction sometimes, everything is coming through that filter 
of a lot of untruthful presuppositions about God, about life, about church, about the gospel, about people, about marriage, what's important. And we bring all of that into our relationship with God. And God, our Father, has to say, I got some work to do. Got some work to do. Here's what Scripture says in Romans 12, 2. The Scripture says to be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of what? Your mind. That's where those presuppositions are. He's got to clean that up. He's got to straighten that up for us. How does he do that? He uses his word. Hebrews chapter 4 Verse 12 talks about the fact that this is the sword of God. This is the pruning knife of God. And he takes the word and he uses that word to expose the untruthful suppositions in our minds. And that's why Jesus said in John 8, 32, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. It exposes that lie that you're living your life by. You don't even know it's a lie. You think it's the truth. That's your perception. And he says, I gotta clean that up. That's called discipleship. That's called pruning with the word of God. So that we know how to see things. We know how to respond to things according to his perfect and holy and righteous will. And so here he is. He's having to do that in our lives. So it's untruthful presupposition. But there's a second thing, and I'm going to close with this, but I want to just give you an understanding of it. Not only untruthful presuppositions, but unyielding personal strongholds. I must give you this verse. 2 Corinthians Chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. Paul says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. In other words, you don't, you don't find it within yourself. He said, But they're divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. You hear that word, fortress? That means a stronghold, a stronghold in our lives. He says, we're destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, let me just give you, just quickly, some of the strongholds he has to deal with in our lives. For instance, attitudes. Have you ever heard somebody say, boy, that person's really got an attitude, right? Guess what? Every one of you got an attitude, question is, what is that attitude? What are the attitudes of your life? You see, this underlying or this untruthful presupposition has established attitudes in our hearts. Attitudes, again, about people, attitudes about marriage, attitudes about God, attitudes, you just name it. And these attitudes are driving our lives. And God's got to straighten that out. For us, it's for our good. It's for the blessing of our life. 
And so he has to deal with the attitudes that come in our life. Uh, a second thing related to that would be anger. Anger. All of us deal with anger. Let's just be honest. We've all been hurt. We've all been disappointed. We all have to deal with bitterness sometimes. Revenge. Oh, I'd love to get revenge on them. Can't believe they said that. Can't believe they did that. Have you ever known in our nation, in our culture right now, so much anger? This is right in our face every day. Do I have a witness on that, right? I mean, it's there. There is a stronghold of anger just in our culture. There's a stronghold of anger in our communities. And even though it breaks my heart to even say this, there's a stronghold of anger in our churches because there's a stronghold of anger in us. God's got to deal with that because it's going to destroy your life. It's going to destroy my, I cannot listen. I can't love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength because I don't have all my heart to give him because I've got all this anger that is in there. Or I've got all these attitudes that are in there. And God said, I've got to clean it up. That's called pruning. That's called discipleship. Not only attitudes and anger, but there's what we call attractions. These are the things that we think we're living for. These are the things that are going to make us happy. We bring all this into our relationship with God. All those things that we were, boy, I really enjoy doing this, and I really enjoy doing that. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. It's not that all these attractions are, you know, themselves sinful, but they all can become addictions. See, we only think of addictions in terms of chemical addictions through drugs or pornography or things of that nature. Anything that this is what you're living your life for, I just love doing this. I just love doing that. Scripture has another word for it. It's called idolatry. Idolatry. Anything that just... We're living more to experience that and have that pleasure and to do this thing than the Lord himself. God has to deal with that. Not only attractions, but allies. <laughs> Listen, your playmates determine your playground. Do I have a witness on that, right? <laughs> so we bring into our relationship allies, people that's been in our lives People that contribute to, listen, contribute to the attitudes we have. People that contribute to the anger that's in our lives. People that contribute to the attractions in our lives. They're all part of that same package. And so as we bring our, our playmates into this relationship with God because they're our playmates, we have, we're, we're going to be challenged with the playground we're going to be involved in. 
You've heard the old saying, you can't soar with eagles and run with turkeys. Doesn't work. And all of a sudden, God starts challenging us about our playmates and our playgrounds because of the allies in our lives. And then lastly, and I close with this, the anchors of our life. Where are you putting your faith? Is it in people? Is there a person you're putting your trust in? Oh, we're all broken vessels. God is trying to put us back together, hallelujah, by his grace. But we're all broken vessels. Don't put your faith and trust in a person. They'll fail you. They can't help but fail you because we're imperfect. But there's so many people just hoping and trusting that this person is going to be the person for their life. The only one you can trust is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He's the only one who will never, ever fail you. Maybe it's money. Is that what you're living for? That's where your anchor is. Oh, if I could just make this much money. Why? So I can buy these things. <laughs> to be honest. All of those are going to fade away. Won't work. I'm just telling you. God knows it doesn't work. He wants to help you see that it doesn't work. And so for us to be more fruitful, I close with this verse, John 10, 10, very last verse, part of that verse. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. He's not talking about money. He's not talking about material things. He's talking about a quality of life where our lives are just totally open for his favor and his fellowship and his faithfulness in our lives. And that's where living really is. And that's where we bear fruit for Jesus. So Father God, Lord, we thank you for loving us so much that you're willing to take out the pruning knife. You're willing even to, Lord, take out bigger equipment <laughs> to do even more serious pruning. But it's all out of love because you want to be able to bless us. You want to be able to lavish more grace and more grace and more grace and more mercy and more mercy and more favor and more favor upon our lives. But it's up to us. Beginning with the obedient spirit, just doing exactly what you tell us to do when you tell us to do it with the right heart attitude. And when we grab that, when we get a hold of that, Lord, and we start being fruitful, wow. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you again for coming, being part of our worship and our celebration. Parents and kids, line up. They got the gifts for you back there in the back. Make sure you.